Welcome to episode 137 of Texting, hosted by myself, Justin Vincent, and also Jason Roberts. How's it going? Good. I'm in uh, New Hampshire and uh, working pretty hard doing 12-hour days over here. 12-hour days? You said you're doing... In the email you sent me, you said you're doing 12-hour days seven days a week. Yep. That, is that real or is that just an exaggeration? Because a lot of times people say that it's really like, you know, 10, 11, maybe 12 on the weekday, and then it's like five or six on Saturday and Sunday, and it just feels like 12 because it's Saturday and Sunday. But It's really real because a Saturday and a Sunday makes no difference to me whatsoever. I mean, I'm up here, I'm in a hotel, coming into the office every day and just doing 12-hour days. Well, well, good. You should make some good cash. Yeah, except for this, except for now I'm doing this podcast, which has taken up time. <laughs> so I can't, I can't do my 12 hours. Well, that's fine. Well, if we got more than 12 hours, right? Because you have nothing else I to do. I guess, I guess. You owe it to the people. Okay. The people need their podcast, okay? So it actually costs me to do the podcast. Yeah, well, it costs me too. I got like an infinite supply of like consulting work that I could be doing and I should be doing. So That's interesting. An whether, whether, I'm, whether I'm sitting in New Hampshire or I'm Pasadena, it makes no difference, right? That's interesting. So uh, but now, not truly infinite, right? I mean, obviously, there is a limit to the number of hours that uh, you could potentially do. Yeah, I mean, yeah, truly infinite, but more than I could do. It's like drinking from a fire hose, right? I mean, Uber is yeah. like, I mean, uh, S- S- Travis's CEO of Uber is just like, we need as many hours of you that we can get, period. Cool. Awesome. So, <laughs> you know, and uh, I'm, I'm, the stuff I'm building is pretty high, you know, is important stuff for Uber. So they, they need a lot of it done. So, uh, you know, I've been working on the uh, real-time dispatching system, which we rolled out to New York. And oh, uh, so that's actually in production now. It is. So there are two big cities, two primary cities that um, they're, um, that they're working in. One is, uh, the main one is San Francisco and the second is um, New York. Yeah. And uh, Curtis, um, Curtis is the director of engineering. He's the one I work with um, on all this stuff. Um, he, he rolled out the, uh, the dispatching system to New York. So it's been running in New York for a few days. Now, what kind of sucked was that he had to do that while I was in uh, Scandinavia. <laughs> so he had to make oh, a lot no. of changes and, to my code base and fixes and stuff because there were a lot of issues that had to do with their existing infrastructure and things that I wasn't aware of and APIs that I wasn't aware of. And, you know, and of course just in existing bugs. And the problem was I was just sort of, you know, not available. But the, uh, what's interesting is that the Node.js based dispatching system is incredibly efficient compared to like the old uh, PHP MySQL version. Oh yeah, I bet. Yeah. So like the, 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 I guess the version before, you know, you see CP usage at like, you know, 40 or 60 or 80%. And you'd see the, 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 you know, all the times it would redline the, mm-hmm. the CPU. And uh, now it's like spikes at 0.03%. <laughs> so, so they could seriously scale that by like, you know, a hundred times load and it wouldn't even be an issue. Yeah, easily. Yeah. It's, it's incredibly efficient. Um, so yeah, the chalk went up for uh, Node.js. In fact, it was kind of interesting. Awesome. Um, these this 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 company um, that contacted me actually a friend of mine works for them, and they built this really um, super efficient, low latency distributed um, distri- distributed messaging system. So yeah. you, you might have like hundreds or thousands of nodes, and they have like this. Uh, auto redefining schema, a real you know compile compiles a schema in real time, and all this kind of cool stuff for people who know like what Tibco Rendezvous and things like that are. It's like the next generation of something like that. And uh, he's talking to me about it, and, and uh, he was kind of giving me a demo because they they want me to build their uh, HTML5 interface for sort of <laughs> designing. So there's the a little kind of, bit more work for you. Nice. Yeah, assuming I can fit it in, right? So we're, we're having. 
he's giving me the demo and he said, well, so here, the primary demo was like a financial demo, like you have stock prices and trading information coming in. And that's, that's the world that they come from. Yeah. And also the world that I come from. So, um, and it's the best use case for this super low latency, highly distributed system. And he's like, oh, but we also have this system, uh, a, a case where we use, like we're, we're, we're reading from the Twitter API and, you know, the, you know, the Twitter fire hose and distributing that all out. And he's like, but we also have one, like, you know, like an example would be like Uber. And I go, you realize I built the dispatching system for that, right? And he's like, what? <laughs> like, yeah. <laughs> like, it was all doing Node.js. And uh, so that was kind of a. I'm interested in, so, so they've built one to take, to take the Twitter fire hose. Yeah. Yeah, that's right. That, that would, that's interesting because I, I need that functionality um, for, for Plugio one day. Yeah, well, if I end up doing any work for them, um, then uh, you know I can I'll be able to give you a little better understanding of what it provides and what it does. I mean, I think what they're going to try and do is um, roll out a, a limited version, sort of for free, kind of like how remember how PubNub was doing that. So they'll roll out a limited version of what of the Twitter Firehose of or? their system of their oh, system, right? And then if you want to really scale up and have that, you know. A, massive number of clients and, and, and message throughput, then you have to pay something. Interesting. But, yeah, that um, sounds cool. Because the thing about Twitter is they don't allow a single server to make multiple search requests. They've mm-hmm. basically cut that off. So if you try and do multiple search requests via the API, they'll shut down the IP. So they only allow those search requests to go through the, the Firehose thing, this Firehose search thing, right. which is very difficult to code, um, obviously because you know, you've got millions of messages coming in every minute. Yeah, so it's um, not really querying it. You're just you're consuming it and then trying to filter through it and get what you yeah, need out of it. That's right. You consume and filter exactly. And it's very, well. They, they offer they offer that they offer the filtering capability. But even with the filtering, you know, even if you sort of query that with a filter, it's still a huge amount of messages coming through. Yeah, yeah. So, um, which is know. more than my forty dollars server can cope with. Yeah. Right, right, right. So uh, I don't know. Uh, I got a lot of topics here, but uh, one I'm of- glad you got a lot of topics because, I, I, as I said, I'm I'm like overloaded with work here. Um, so if you could, if you could drive this one, that would be awesome. All right. Well, uh, first, why don't we just give a little quick update on Inifu? Sure. Since uh, I've been talking, why don't you? Why don't you do that? Okay. Um, so we have got uh, I think four mockups at this stage. Um, we've got the mockup of the homepage mock-up of a profile, search results, and also contacting a provider. Um, Jason and myself, we haven't had the, because obviously we've both been working pretty hard, we haven't had the chance to verbally discuss it, but we've been going backwards and forwards with emails. And um, I think it's, you know, it's beginning to shape up. And um, I've promised to do the rest of the mock-ups, hopefully by the end of this weekend, if I, if I can. Yes, yeah, so the problems we had was that we couldn't find a time to work together yeah, very easily. So what we agreed to do is that I would uh, write up a list of kind of like a high level spec of what the functionality was and what the uh, data model was. Yeah. And the data model was more for me. You, you didn't care so much. You really were, were more interested in getting the mockups done. But I felt mm-hmm. like once I had the data model described, just even like in a text file, like here are the, here are the tables or objects and these are the properties, right? Um, and these are the relationships. And, uh, and then the other thing was like, what's the basic functionality? Search for an expert, edit profile, contact an expert, you know, create an invoice, yeah. that kind of stuff. And then once they had that, it was like, okay, then it was pretty clear what the pages would be. And then you could go and start creating, mocking up individual pages, which you've done four uh, of yeah. the seven we've described so far. 
Yeah, and I think that it's it's a pretty good way to do it because at this stage, all we need is, as far as I'm concerned, because we're not designing it, right? We're giving this to a designer. So that so that designer is ultimately going to come up with the the final pixel-perfect way that it's going to be laid out. So what we're doing is we're essentially creating a framework with a, with a lot of hints for that designer so that the designer knows how to place things. Um, so we just need to... The main thing we need to do is make sure that all of the stuff's on the page. So, for example, if there's a button that says bookmark this user that needs to be on the page so we don't forget about it right right so um you know it's kind of interesting uh, the the fact that uh, working the way we did actually was pretty efficient yeah i thought um i don't know i mean it didn't take me very long to come up with uh the the spec and you know it was 10 minutes here 20 minutes there whatever but it was pretty easy to do and i mean basically i mean i don't know about you but i've kind of thought this thing out i feel like i got most of it in my head so that's why it came out so easily, and it I sounds guess like I've spent about 10, 15 minutes on each of those mockups. Yeah, so we're probably about the same amount of time, which is yeah. so pretty quickly. It's pretty quick. I mean, we did yeah. a lot of talking on the car ride to and from Vegas yeah. and at the conference, so we pretty much hashed most of the issues out. So then it was a matter of just kind of um, codifying it in some kind of uh, documents, series of documents. So, so once we, once we have the, um, I guess once we have the uh, mock-up done, like a, a first version of mock-up, which, I don't know, how many pages do you think we'll have to mock-up? 12, maybe? 15? Yeah, that sounds about right. Yeah. 12, 12 15. 15. I mean, we don't yeah. have to, to mock-up like the reset password page. Mm, no. <laughs> probably. I mean, I probably will because it'll take half a second, but we don't yeah. have to. But we get the main stuff, main things done, and at that point, we, you were going to post it up on Startup Guild, maybe, so we could uh, get some feedback. Yeah. Were you thinking about that? Yeah. I mean, I, I could I could post up what we've got so far, but I think maybe do a little bit more. Yeah, so it's like it's sort of like that radical transparency. Yeah, idea of just developing this thing out in the open. Um, it'll be interesting to see how it goes. Sandy was like, I don't know, I don't want someone to steal your idea. I'm like, we threw this oh, really? Idea. Is she saying that? Well, you know, I mean, everybody thinks that, but I'm like, we threw this idea out there a year and a half ago, and nobody even jumped. No one thought of you know gave it a second thought. So I but don't I know guess why. it's to, it's becoming more reality though. I mean, when you see these mockups, then all of a sudden it starts to look like a product. Did you show them to Sandy? No, no. But see, here's the thing, right? I mean, it, it, we've talked about this before, but until someone sees this thing making real money, it's just an idea, right? I mean, just because yeah. you and I get excited about it, or we growl spec, or some mockups, even get a working prototype. It's still a long way from being a proven business model, right? There are tons of other businesses out there that are making money, making a lot of money that would be that would give people a lot more reason to copy, right? Why would you copy? Why would you worry about stealing our idea when it's yet to be proven that we can even get it to work at all? Right? <laughs> it's kind of silly. we've completely got to execute it on and on it. And to be honest, we don't have a great track record of execution. So, well, but I mean, this, this I mean, time around, we're going to do it. Yeah, I mean, like, go, go clone Basecamp, you know? They make money. <laughs> right? I mean, go clone. I mean, there's just a million, you know, different uh, businesses you could clone that are making money. If, you, if that's who you are, if you're a cloner. Yeah. Right? If you're a cloner. If you're I, a cloner. I, that sounds like a good title of a show. Are you a cloner? <laughs> <laughs> you may be a cloner if. <laughs> you remember they say uh, that uh, guy, you may be a redneck if? I don't know that, no. You know, if you have like, I, there's a guy. I think it's Jeff Foxworthy. He had he's a you know the stand-up comedian. He did Fox oh, yeah. TV show as well, and he had all these kind of funny uh, uh, jokes about you know um, you know like if you have a couch in your front yard, you may be a redneck. <laughs> <laughs> oh, nice. You, you know things like that. I mean, we just go on. You may be a redneck. <laughs> <laughs> all right. So um, have you got anything? Go on. Let's let's move on. Yeah. To the yeah. Next. Uh, okay. So um. 
a couple, I, need, I have an, ad, uh, an addendum to the Scandinavia trip. Oh, go on. I have to bring up. I, I kind of blew through it kind of quickly in our last show, not only because we didn't have time, but I also was so off topic. I didn't want to like spend too much time on it. Yeah. But one thing was really freaking me out is that when, when we got to Stockholm, there was a scent to the entire city, if not the country. A smell? A scent. And, and I was freaking me out. I'm like, I kept going. Why do you say scent? Why, why don't you say smell? Well, smell kind of insinuates that it's bad. It wasn't bad. It was just like, I'm like, can you smell that? You know, I kept saying, she's like, no. I'm like, what? I'm like, in the end, I decided it's, the entire country smells like ice cream. <laughs> ice cream? <laughs> it does. It smells, well, but specifically, it smells like an ice cream store. You know, you go into an ice cream store and you're kind of waiting around for your ice cream. That's what it smells like to me. I was trying to figure it out. I thought, is it like some kind of a sweet sort of wood that the trees that grow there? Is it, I don't know what it was. It was freaking me out. I was like, and then it started to bug me after a while because I just couldn't stop smelling it. <laughs> Are you sure you didn't go to the twilight zone? I don't know where. I was in the uh, the Stockholm zone and I had Stockholm syndrome, I guess. <laughs> but uh, it, 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 I noticed it even still in uh, Oslo degree, although it was much fainter. This yeah. of ice cream. The, that is uh, weird. No, I've I've definitely been places where there's been bad. Well, there's been smells, but usually it's been bad smells. It's been smells of, you know, manure, like Ireland, for example. <laughs> Ireland smells like manure. <laughs> I mean, Chicago has a scent to it. Um, I was saying I mean, we, we we were because I told you we were late over there, and we were out. We we got outside to go catch a um, a shuttle to the hotel for the evening. Yeah. I was like, yeah, okay, I can smell Chicago a little bit. And uh, I was asking our, my buddy Gustav, the one who was getting married in uh, Stockholm, and he said, yeah, he said that L.A. has a scent to him. He can't smell Sweden, but he can smell L.A. Really? So That's LAX. weird. So, yeah. but, so which, one, which one is Swedish? Is it you or Sandy? Sandy's a quarter Swedish and a quarter Norwegian. And, and you? I don't I'm I'm just a mutt. I'm a mix of... So maybe, maybe, maybe like because she has that... Uh, Swedish gene, she can't smell it. She can't smell it. I mean, I know I, I have, we have we have I have some Norwegian blood a few a few uh, a few layers back, <laughs> a few, yeah. but a few generations back. But uh, you know, I'm, I'm sure just by the way I look that there's a lot of uh, Scandinavian blood coming in from different directions. I just have no idea. You know, it's just so obfuscated at this point. So mm-hmm. the other thing I noticed is that we, we took a tour of the fjords in Oslo. Oh yeah, you were mentioning this, yeah. And I mean, the homes, the houses were unbelievable. I'm like, wait a minute. I thought Norway was supposed to be socialist. <laughs> right? I want some of this socialism. <laughs> well, why, what were they like? They're beautiful. I mean, they were just these unbelievable like uh, summer homes on the fjords. I mean, they're like these massive kind of wooden chalets with huge big panes of glass. Oh, yeah. I mean, that just, kind of thing. just gorgeous. Absolutely. I mean, it was cost... Those things would have cost like three, five million dollars if they were sort of in Newport Beach or Laguna Beach or something down here. I mean, I, they were unbelievable, and of course there were there were beautiful homes in Stockholm and but I would as well. But I just when mm-hmm. we were in Scandinavia, or when we were on those on the on the on the ferry tour of the fjords, I was, just when it kind of really really struck me. I'm like, man, I thought you think like you know the socialism. It's like, well, you know, there's so much, there's such high taxes, and there's such a such a welfare state. There's no incentive for people to make a lot of money or work that hard. And so, you know, most people, you get the sort of sense that it would be it would lean more towards a, a communist, like an Eastern Bloc type of country. But that's completely opposite. I mean, it's it was the welfare was unbelievable. Did you see any of the uh, alcohol related stuff? How you can't buy alcohol in a normal shop you've got to go to a special government installation to buy it no well i don't drink alcohol so i didn't it didn't really it's interesting so yeah so in sweden it's like alcohol is a very it's kind of very controlled 
very mm. controlled substance. And it's yeah. expensive as far as I'm aware as well. It's like, you know, ten ten pound ten dollars to get a, a you know, a beer or something like that. I'm I'm probably mis misquoting. It'd be great to get some comments for some Swedish people who really know their stuff, but it is interesting the way wow. they're so controlled like that. So um, the other thing I wanted to bring up, uh, sort of related to the trip, when I when we were at the uh, wedding, uh, I, I met this guy who was uh, English, and he lived. His girlfriend was, um, I guess, one of the cousins in, in Destiny. He had moved back to Sweden with her, and uh, he was, she was a cut. His girlfriend was a, a, I guess, a cousin of the bride, and they lived in Abu uh, Abu Dhabi for uh, like four years. Hmm. And he was a guy, you know, his job was he had his own little business where he would just get expensive, hard to get items for the wealthy people. Like they, some guy would say, I want this Mercedes. I want it in 24 hours. And, and that Mercedes does not exist in this. Have you told me this before privately? I don't think so. Maybe I, I don't know if I did or not. It sounds but, so familiar. I'm sure I know. I'm sure I've heard of someone who exactly this go on anyway yeah, keep, keep it going. was amazing so I, I thought it was really interesting so like he would he said the, so like you know what, like if someone came to him and said hey I want a Maserati that's usually not hard to get right because there's so much wealth in, uh, in Abu Dhabi that there's going to be dealerships for all the most expensive exotic cars but mm-hmm. there might be like this sort of new uh, Mercedes that just came out that just doesn't happen to be there or you know, it just things they can get. And so he, he could get these amazing things. Like he, you know, he learned how to skirt customs and how to grease the wheels <laughs> and how to get things out of other countries and into that country. And, you know, extremely quickly, like get through airport systems, get the right plane, get it on. Cause when money is no object, it's, uh, you know, amazing things can happen, but you still have to know how to make it happen. It's yeah. still a skill. And I was like, you know what? And I was like, his name is uh, Ian, I think if I call it. Ian, I was like, this is a TV show. <laughs> this would be yeah. an awesome TV show. You're like, right. You, it starts out and it shows some guy and he's kind of like a sophisticated English guy, maybe in his mid-40s or something. And he's like, you know, I'm the guy who can get anything. What do you need? Oh, you're thinking of a dra- like a, a drama. Like a, like a drama well, a, series. Because it would be a reality show as well. Yeah, I thought, but the reality show would be kind of hard to make happen. I thought you could make, you could dramatize it more and make it kind of, uh, I, I initially thought maybe you could do it as a reality show, but then I thought it may just be easier and you could make every single episode standalone, you know? Yeah. And it's just like, what's the new crazy thing that has to be? It could be like Lie to Me. Have you seen that series? Yeah. Yeah, I, I kind of thought like that. about that. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So I thought that was, that's my new TV series idea. So okay, now, awesome. So how's the other TV series idea going? And then we'll that. get into some tech. Yeah, yeah. Ty, I, I ran into uh, Tyler at the gym a couple weeks ago, right before I took off for Scandinavia. I think I told you this, and he said he's. Did done. you get to read it yet? I haven't because I haven't seen him because my mom's been visiting, and I've been I I I injured my ankle playing basketball, so I've been out for a few days, and so I haven't been to the gym and I haven't run into him. Um, and he's not really much big on email. He's like a texter. You know, some people email and some people text. And I'm not a texter, so he sends me text, and I kind of like okay. So I, I did uh, an interview on the Escape Velocity podcast, and um, when, as the podcast was wrapping up, um, one of the things they were saying you should check out Texting Life, where they talk about all sorts of things, like they talk about tech and they talk about UFOs, and they even talk about making TV series. <laughs> 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 yeah ufos that's the thing. that's understandable but the tv series that's getting out there <laughs> that's taking a walk on the wild side <laughs> right that's funny yeah i listened to that it was uh it was a it was a uh it's a good good interview i, I think you did did well 
what was funny was that the the first half of the interview it was all about Plugio and I'd done the presentation and I'd rehearsed the presentation. So when they were talking to me about Plugio, my answers were pretty good and clear. But then as the interview went on, it was kind of moving a little bit further away from stuff that I'd rehearsed. And then I just had to kind of actually come up with answers on the, you know, on the fly. And it was, I could really start to hear the, you know, you know, yeah, this, you know, kind of that kind of stuff coming in. So mean like how I talk? Just less, less uh, together. Less polished. So, the, so the, the interview kind of fell apart as it went on until the, it came to the end and it was just like, okay. I didn't uh, notice it. I didn't notice <laughs> good, that. Good. Uh, you went off That's on good. tangents a couple times, um, yeah. which, you know, was different for you. <laughs> I even lost my own train of thought. I was like, why am I, why am I going here? <laughs> well, what, a couple of things you said that were kind of funny. You said, you said I want to make $100 million. That's right. You, you and, the, and it's so funny because I was thinking, why did I, why did I even say that? <laughs> it was a very weird thing to say. It's yeah. kind of a thing to say. I need a hundred million dollars. Yeah. It's like, you need a hundred well, million dollars, Justin. Yeah. Give me a I, break. It's so, it was, it was stupid. It's not what I meant to say. <laughs> I but like basically what, what, what I meant to say was, um, because I had written this, um, this blog post about that, you know, and saying, look, you know, I'm swinging for the fences. I'm not doing micro, you know, I'm not doing the, just a micro business. Like one day I'd like to have a business that has a hundred million dollars. Right. Well, why hundred million in particular? Like, why? I don't know. It's just just big, just a big business. This sounds like because well, we think but, well, I, but like, I, I missed all that out, and I just said I want a hundred million dollars. Like, okay. <laughs> it's like Justin's it's, goal in life. <laughs> it's like um, it's like Austin Powers. <laughs> I want one hundred million dollars. <laughs> yeah. yeah, I know. It just did sound a bit strange. Uh, well, you said a, a couple things. You said uh, related to that. You said. Um. Yeah, I started a couple of businesses, and they didn't turn out to be a million dollar business, a billion dollar business. So I got bored. It's like, well, first of all, nothing just turns out to be a billion dollar business, right? It's like years and years and years. Even, even the fastest ones still take years of work, right? It's like I, I, I worked on it. It did turn out to be a billion dollar business after a few months. So I got bored. <laughs> I quit. I know. Yeah. Once again, so I'm, I was kind of going from A to Z without uh, the the middle steps. But what I what once again, I just wasn't being very eloquent about it. What I meant was, it this business doesn't look like it's going to scale into a massive business. So I'm bored of it. That's what I meant to say. But right. the, the, the final thing that I made a mental note of it was funny. It's like everybody <laughs> should start. Everybody should start their own business and become financially independent. Like, well, not everybody can do that, right? I mean, some people have to be teachers and scientists and doctors and you know, carpenters. Not everybody can start an internet business. <laughs> That's true. And you know not everyone I mean? can program. <laughs> no, but I mean, look, listen, you know what? If I was to sit back and listen to all of the texting shows that we did and dissected everything you'd said, I'm sure I could have a good old go. That's true. But I, what <laughs> I would say is that for people who are on, who have an entrepreneurial uh, dream, yeah. it shouldn't be limited to uh, raising funds. That you can bootstrap it that's what they say so people who want yeah. to start businesses don't just think in terms of you know your only path is is getting is convincing someone else to give you money there's another path in fact there's a more there's another path that's probably more likely and it's uh it's not always more likely but that's how most businesses start anyway but i mean this is what andrew do you remember the uh, in microconf when we had the speaker's dinner yep that you that you gate crashed right. um so and andrew warner i remember he was saying at this at that dinner he was saying when you're kind of on mic and on camera, you just kind of say stuff. It just comes out and you can't really stop yourself. And you don't have a chance to, to kind of pre-qualify what you're about to say. Sure. And so quite often you'll just say stuff that's stupid and wrong. Crazy. And there's not too much you could do about it, you know? Yeah. Well, that's no big deal. So um, 
I, I, I thought of, um, I have there a, a little um, topic here called Lessons for Justin and His 100 Million. <laughs> awesome. so there, was a, there was a topic was called Lessons from the Wealthy or something. I said, all right, well, right. Just, you know, the problem is I printed it out in like Instapaper, but you know how some, um, these articles are paginated <laughs> and they don't, you can't print out the whole thing. Yeah. I only, I only have the first three lessons, but I figured that's enough. <laughs> so I think there were seven lessons, but I'm only going to give you three. Okay, go on. Having money is better than not having money. Like, yeah, that's uh-uh. so true. Okay, right. Like, you know, honey, money doesn't buy you happiness, but it sure doesn't hurt. <laughs> <laughs> so I, is this lessons that I'm giving to other people after I've got my hundred million? No, this is just for you. This is because, you know, you're going to have a lot of money and let's just get you prepped. So you're going to be happier with your hundred million. Oh, than- this is really sweet of you. Thank you for thinking of me. Well, I just, yeah. Well, the second thing is more of a warning, which is don't become cash rich and time poor. Oh, yeah. Okay, because a lot, of, a lot of people, they work so hard and they're trying to build their wealth and build their career that they don't have any time for their family and they don't have any time for their life or their health. They don't work out. They don't exercise. They don't sleep. They don't eat well. They don't spend time with their kids or their wife and they get divorced and the kids get alienated. So great. You have a lot of money. You know, you know remind yourself, why were you making that money? You're, make, you're making that money to live a life that you want to live just for, to a certain degree, right? Well, that's what I'm doing now. I'm, I'm, I'm time poor and I'm cash rich while well, I'm beginning to pay back some debt, you know? Well, got, it, it, I'm working 12 hours a day. It sucks. That's a month. You know I mean? I it, guess. It, it's, it's called, it's called, it's called making an ATM run. <laughs> I mean, right. so the problem is that some people make ATM runs that last like 15 years. Um, you know, they just go and they just bury themselves in work and they, they lose their youth and they, and they use, they lose their health, but it's an entire thing entirely to spend a couple weeks or even a month or two, just, you know, doing some contract work or working overtime to, uh, pay some bills and, 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 and buy some financial freedom. So that makes sense. Okay. But just, just when you make your hundred million dollars, just remember to take a step back and smell the roses. Okay. But, but if I make a hundred million, you're going to make a hundred million cause it's going to be through no, anything. Well, it could be through Plugio, could be through ID number 17, get through okay. anything. Okay, go so, ahead. I just want you to make sure that you're not, you know, too caught up in the money. Second, the okay, third, lesson three. Memories are better than material objects. Okay, so, so you know, it's, it's, it's... Like the first time we met. Yes, that memory is so much better than... A hundred million. Not that <laughs> good. <laughs> Go on. <laughs> it's not that good. Well, it's like the difference, and we've talked about this too. That the, what they reference if, in the articles, like you know, the difference between say a a, a hundred a hundred dollar watch and a five thousand dollar watch is not that much. You know, mm-hmm. people spend all this money, like you know, ten million dollar home versus versus say a million dollar home. It's not that big a difference, but it, it's better to spend have time or to spend that money on memories, on on experiences, on doing things. And ten thousand uh, dollar watch just doesn't make sense to me. Yeah, I don't know. It's like why I don't wear expensive glasses because I break them anyway. I lose them. <laughs> so it's like I've like twenty dollars pair of glasses or fifteen dollars, and they last me like three months, and then crack. You know, I put them mm-hmm. in my pocket, and I sit down, and they crack, or I lose them, or my or my kids break them. But you know, then again, five thousand dollars watch isn't even an option for me. So. But I think that's right. I think it's it's more about the experience. It's not about. It's an option. It's just it would really piss Sandy off. <laughs> yes, sweet <laughs> honey. Look at this. Look at this sweet watch I found myself. Awesome? <laughs> She'd be like, get out of my yeah. <laughs> You're fired. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So um yeah, um, you know, um speaking of money, I, I listened to this interesting um podcast on uh was one of my favorite podcasts is NPR Planet Money. Have you heard of that one? 
Yeah, I have. Mainly because you've mentioned it a couple of times. It's pretty good. You know, it's like 20 minute segments and it's, you know, it's basically about financial stuff. They sometimes, they, they cover things from microfinance and, and it's, not microfinance, but like uh, microeconomics or like, you know, people getting out of credit card debt and financing college and things like that. And they, and they talk a lot about macroeconomic things as well. And, and uh, so it's kind of, the, the topics are all over the place. It's interesting. And so one thing they were talking about is the importance of preschool for, um, for kids. Mm-hmm. And as it turns out, let I mean, for upper middle class and upper class kids, it doesn't make a huge difference one way or the other because kids are usually being exposed uh, to a lot of things and being educated at home anyway. But for right. lower income, it makes a huge difference. And there was, I guess, a big study that was done um, where they followed like something like 150 kids or something like that from preschool through their 50s or something. And it turns out that kids that went to who were from lower income uh, families who were uh, who did go to preschool were uh, like two and a half times less likely to be arrested and made you know substantially more income and, if they and, went to preschool. So so what what yeah. age is this preschool? Preschool is before kindergarten, so that's like you know three, four, five kind of range. Interesting. Yeah, yeah, and I guess the reason was wasn't just so much well you knew your ABCs uh, you know better than the other kids come into kindergarten or something. It's that you learned how to control your temper, how to work with other kids, um, things like that. Socialization. Socialization, self-control, a little bit of self-discipline. Uh, I, I don't know, things of that nature. And they, the, 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 the value, because the money that was spent on the preschool was pretty minimal, and the amount of uh, that that affected these kids' lives in terms of they weren't in jail, they didn't cause harm to the uh, to society, and and then and it was also flipped to the other side that they created value for society, right? They, mm. they paid taxes, they bought homes, they participated in the economy, they participated, you know, they had kids. I mean, they did a, they were productive citizens, right? They were not destructive. They weren't spending all their time in jail and causing problems. Um, it was a 300x return on that dollar for every dollar spent. That's amazing. Yeah, that was amazing too. It was like it was a it was a it was a perfect example of an ounce of prevention is worth a pound of cure. It's like mm-hmm. an ounce of prevention, an ounce of preschool is worth three hundred ounces of uh, of uh, cure or whatever. So I thought that was kind of an interesting, interesting thing. So, um, what about uh, Apic Night? Have you been doing any work on that? Yeah, yeah. Um, so I was working. Um, one of the things I was working on uh, yesterday. A little bit. Right now, primarily what I'm trying to do is finish up this one uh, client project, which I used to build, which I used Apignite to build. Are you folding and, stuff back into Apignite from that then? Exactly. So some of the stuff that Apignite generated wasn't as, as sort of succinct and as beautiful as it could be. It was kind mm-hmm. of like, it was, it was kind of this intermer- intermediary um, code. I mean, it, it was, it, I say it was, it, you would look at it and it was all formatted correctly and, and everything, but it was like, you know, we're still more of it than there needed to be. It could have been simpler and cleaner. And w- the reason that um, that became an issue is that when I generated this code for this, uh, for this application, I realized I had to go in and, and customize parts of it, right? Because I mentioned that this, this application was incredibly complicated, it had lots of special cases and edge cases. And, you know, Apignite was able to generate a bulk of it, but there were still things, special custom wiring that had to happen here and there. Yeah. Well, if the code that you generate is fairly, is longer and com- long and complicated, then you got to go and, and do make a lot more tweaks than you might think you need to, right? Yeah, yeah. So certain things I went and rewrote on the, these are things I rewrote on the trip. One of them was the uh, router, another was the autoloader. So they're just like 
you look at them now and they're just like super succinct. They're just beautiful. Like you look at it five seconds and understand immediately what it is. Yeah, I, yeah. No, you showed me that. That, that, that a nice very look? nice. Yeah, yeah. It was beautiful. I was looking. I'm like, this is gorgeous. It's just an <laughs> and, array of um, an array of paths, really. Yeah, so an, an array of paths and, and roots. Yeah, and it just, in the class that was uh, that created and 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 the and the and the, and the routes was rather than using complicated uh, um, regular expressions, you just, just it would be like con, let's say that it was like user forward slash colon user underscore id you know forward slash you know edit right yeah, you just put nice. a colon in before before something and that means that it's an id and if you could have multiple values and those get sent to the function of the uh, of the called class and i created some pretty cool stuff i created this sort of i guess kind of a lambda class in php which was kind of neat but um anyway what i worked on yesterday one, one of the things i've been itching to do i isn't entirely necessary but i've just been itching to do it is the generated models mm. because i realized that the generated models are very sql heavy and i want to make them agnostic to whether they're you know say using mongo or mysql or whatever and well, that's interesting. That's a, that's an interesting optimization to do at that early stage. It don't really have to. I don't really have to. But I was just really thinking. It was just one of those things. That it was just like an itch. And I was yeah. playing around with it a little bit last night, um, where you would just sort of define your model and about in the PHP. So the generated PHP would only be for the model would be like say fifteen to twenty lines of code. It would define the properties and the relationships, kind of like how you do in uh, Django for Python or Rails. And uh, and then the uh, the class that it inherits from, so the MySQL mapper, the Mongo mapper, does all the magic behind the scenes. Because so I thought you were using Active Record. I did. I mean, it was using. It was very similar to that, but it generated a lot of the code. So you had like you know the models could be like you know a thousand lines of all this generated SQL. And I'm just like you know, I'm wondering if that's kind of counterproductive because there's so much generated code that every time yeah. things loaded, it has to be parsed, and um, it's just harder to edit. And I thought you know, and also of course it's all just very SQL based. Um, and I thought maybe if I uh, could create something that was fast that could do this sort of stuff behind the scenes and do it, do it efficiently, then that would be a win. So I was, I was playing with that last night, but that was pretty cool. But this is, that's just sort of on the, the geek side of Fabric Night. That's, that's the only update I have on that right now. Okay, cool. Um, but no, I'll, I'll, send you, I'll send you a little link. Uh, I'll send you, I'll, I'll paste some code into Skype so you can see like what it, what it looks like. It's pretty slick. Awesome. So, um, any, okay. any kind of external tech stories or anything like that? External tech. You know, one thing I was thinking about um, is have have you heard much about CoffeeScript? Yeah, actually, I was just talking about CoffeeScript the other day. It's it's quite a cool concept. Yeah, so CoffeeScript is it looks a lot sort of like like Python or Ruby, very succinct. Probably, but it compiles to JavaScript, right? It compiles to JavaScript, so it can compile. I guess you can include like the CoffeeScript compiler, and it'll compile at sort of runtime, I think, or you can pre-compile it. And there's mm-hmm. something called brunch, which will allow you to compile, like you have a directory of stuff. So like, you know, things like CoffeeScript and underscore backbone. These are all things that are written by, uh, I think, Jeremy Eshkanis. He's the guy who yeah. wrote three of those libraries. And uh, it will pre-compile all that uh, for you and, 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 and I guess maybe push it into a directory or to a file that's just, you know, standard JavaScript. So, um, so why do you bring it up? Well, I was thinking, you know, it'd be kind of because, you know, I was working on this model thing, you know, reworking the model, and I was trying to rework it in, in PHP so it was super succinct, right? So you can look at it and it's just like nothing, right? And I was like, well, that almost looks like CoffeeScript, like you define the models in CoffeeScript. And I wonder if you could do, you know, there's because CoffeeScript 
compiles in a JavaScript, but I wonder if you could do create a CoffeeScript to PHP compiler. Interesting. Yeah, because it, it's like, an interesting idea. Because you could write both the front and your back end in CoffeeScript, which is really elegant, really succinct, really simple. Um, and the, the, the problem is, right, you can write Node.js. You can write, you know, CoffeeScript will, will create JavaScript, and of course you can write Node.js as your backend, but Node.js isn't really built for creating, like, standard uh, websites, right? There may be a portion of the website that does some kind of real-time or, or near-real-time stuff, like uh, messaging or, uh, you know, chat or, or something like that. But I mean, but for it, just... is CoffeeScript just a, a, a different language then? It's just a new language. Yeah, yeah, it's just like a different language. So, but it'd be neat if you could like write, you know, because you have a compiler already to job from 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 CoffeeScript to JavaScript. But why not create one for PHP? Because PHP is almost like the bytecode of servers. Just like JavaScript has become sort of the bytecode for browsers. Yeah, um, you could almost say that PHP is like a bytecode for for you know your standard vanilla web servers. I mean, you could write, you can run anything on these servers. But the reality is that. Um, you know, PHP is already installed on everything, pretty much. And, it's, and uh, so if you had, um, for people who are, who are less sophisticated and aren't going to custom install these development platforms and, and want stuff to run, or have a shared host environment or something like that, or have a VPS and really don't want to have to con- do any special configuration, PHP's there. So if you could write, if you had a CoffeeScript PH- to PHP compiler, then you're done. You could write everything, both your front end and your back end, in CoffeeScript. And it works like a standard app and is very succinct. So what, what exactly is the point of CoffeeScript? Well, it just makes it more elegant. I mean, it just makes it easier to read, easier to write than straight JavaScript. I mean, I like JavaScript a lot. I think JavaScript is pretty easy. But I, I have to admit, by looking at CoffeeScript, I mean, it, it, it is simpler. I mean, it's like, it does away with the, the, the braces. So it uses more like indentation. So it's um, kind of like Ruby. Like Ruby or Python, even more like Python. Uh, it looks more like Python to me. And, you know, there's no semicolons and there's no, I don't even think, I'm not even sure if there's parentheses in some of the functions. I mean, it's just very succinct. Um, so, you know, Java, it, it may be like 30% of the code of, say, equivalent JavaScript file. But now, how do they do like this kind of special case function? So let's say, for example, you were going to convert that to PHP, right? Hmm. And in, in PHP, there's so many different modules, for example, the GTA, GTK uh, image manipulation module, right? How would you convert that to CoffeeScript? Well, I mean, you know, you don't create a compiler for every function. It just says, okay, well, this is a function, this is a function call, and these are how the parameters look. You know, you don't, you know, you'd write something that says, okay, like, let's just say we, we wrote a trivial language. It's PHP, except you don't have dollar signs and arrows. There's no dollar signs, and instead of the arrows for objects, just have dot, Right. Right, and you could create something called, you know, PHP Lite. <laughs> you know, but how would you reference the GTK? I mean, how would you? I guess you'd you'd create a way of referencing any like any standard fire. PHP function, right? Sure, sure, because you you just you basically it's just a translator, right? You know, just like well, you know, we normally have to write this, but let's just say all you have to do is write this other thing, and we'll just compile it into that. We'll just can translate it. That's interesting. Right? I mean, it's not a compiler in the sense of compiling machine code; it's just a translator. You know, I mean, you have things like that all the time. People write scheme. We'll have like scheme or Lisp and it translates into JavaScript or, you know, scheme will compile into C or, I mean, you know, people have write compilers back and forth to languages all the time. But I just thought it might be kind of neat, especially with uh, just how CoffeeScript is really taking off. Like, you know, I talked about people like, oh, I want to get like, um, I want to get consulting work. I'm like, learn CoffeeScript. <laughs> it really is like, taking off. Yeah, that's so interesting. Because to me, it seems like, it's it's like an extra step between 
you and re- and what's what you're really creating. Yeah, but it's so much easier to read and it's so succinct. And I've just looked at it. I'm kind of itching to to to. I think Curtis and I are going to do so convert some of the. Um, uh, we may convert some of the dispatching system and other stuff into ultimately into CopyScript because I know they're building all of their client tools all of the, the in uh, using CopyScript. Okay, so, so let's say for example you were going to sorry to keep on harping on about this, but let's say for example no. you were going to do stuff like um, jQuery, right? Okay. So you wanted to do some you wanted to build like a rich internet application. Could you do that in J- CopyScript or would you do that? Absolutely, in just... absolutely, yeah. yeah. How does it it's hook into jQuery? I, I don't see anything in there that I'm just well, looking through CopyScript right now. There's nothing in there about getting into something like jQuery, it's just... Well, what is it? Stuff. I mean, it just, it just I, I think, I think there's been examples of that. You can look on it. I haven't used it with jQuery, but I think it's, it, apparently it's very natural. I mean, because um, CopyScript wasn't meant to just use on server side with Node. I mean, it's, it's, mm. it's just as much to use on, to use on the client side. And um, obviously jQuery is sort of the, you know, the de facto standard for accessing the DOM. So I think it's pretty, pretty straightforward. I, I would have to look, I have to look it up. But uh, I don't think there's an issue with it. But it's just it's just it's just a much more succinct, sort of elegant way of writing JavaScript. I guess is a way huh. of saying a, a way of, of describing it. Um, and you know, a lot of com- there's a lot of complaints about you know PHP's syntax. I mean, I don't yeah. mind PHP syntax or JavaScript syntax because I come from C plus C plus background, so braces, you know, that kind of stuff doesn't really bother me. But I know the people who kind of been using Ruby or Python other things are like, you know, it's. it's, it's it's kind of ugly, but and, and there's some inconsistencies in naming conventions in PHP that some people get very upset about. But uh, copy, if you had like a CopyScript to a PHP compiler, you wouldn't. Um, that'd be gone. You wouldn't have to worry about that. And you just get to benefit from the fact that PHP is very stable. It's relatively efficient. It's everywhere. It's 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 just installed everywhere. Well, that's cool. Yeah, I think we should wrap that up. But that is very very interesting concept. Yeah, I, I just think it could uh, work, and I. And I just think I think if somebody is looking to get some consulting work, I think something learning something like CopyScript and and writing a bunch of tutorials on it and, and doing something interesting in CopyScript would would um, distinct you know would it would help distinguish yourself. Um, it would allow you to distinguish yourself to in order and get get work right because you'd be one of the few yeah. people who are who developed some kind of expertise in CopyScript because right now companies that are doing cutting edge stuff are going to be looking you know some of those people are doing CopyScript and they're gonna they would love to hire some people who are who are demonstrated experts in CopyScript right um, yeah and I I don't I I just think that's I think that's a winning strategy <laughs> just think just like learning Node.js would be or, or any other you know, of these newer platforms. As soon as, as soon as you have, you know, a huge number of people in a field, it sort of commoditizes the, um, the developers more. They're easier yeah. to find. Um, but the more cutting edge stuff, um, they're just harder to find. The expert. Well, it's funny. Like, so for example, it, it, you can kind of have swings and roundabouts. Like I, I remember, I, I know a group of uh, 4D developers. So, for, you know, for Apple, there's, um, there's this database called 4D, right? So fourth dimension database. It was one of the early ones out that had a lot of, snazzy aspects to it like so you can create database like you can with access um but you can deploy it to any any platform right and um, it's got networking built in things like that thing about it was is that 4d developers could charge a lot especially for working in banks and things like that they could charge a huge amount but then it it kind of goes over this plateau where all of a sudden 4d just isn't quite so cool anymore and people don't use that tool so, so much anymore so now it's gone to the point where 4D that was like you could charge, you know, a thousand dollars a day kind of thing. 
you can't really anymore because it's just the demand much more, fell off a cliff. Yeah, yeah, the demand fell off because people are using other other things. Well, that's why you that's why you gotta not you, you just because you find something new, you gotta always stay on the frontier. If you want to be charging premium rates, you need to stay on the frontier, and um, you can't say, oh, well, you know, I was on the frontier of Oracle or on frontier of SQL Server or something. It's like, well, that'll be you know, for a while, but eventually things will move on and there'll be other, there'll be a lot of Oracle developers and now you need to learn something else. And um, the people who jump earlier and stay kind of like aware of the trends, I mean, you can always jump in and kind of go to a false alley where it's like, you go down there and it's like, it seems like it's going to be cool, but then it turns out nobody cares about it. You know, and that, that can happen, but that's why you can kind of use sort of the agile method, I guess, to consulting, which is that, you know, experiment with a few different newer technologies, write some tutorials on it, start developing some expertise in some of them and see how the world develops over the following months. Cause it might turn out that two of them kind of fall to the wayside. Nobody really cares about it, but the third one starts really picking up steam. Well, PHP is an interesting case because it's sort of, you, you, you think, Oh, I can get cheap coders, but you can also get expensive coders. And then it's got subsections such as cake PHP, et cetera, et cetera. So you can like specialize within the arena of PHP. So itself, sure. it's very commoditized. But within it, there's kind of high-level stuff that you can do. That's right. Yeah, I mean, PHP itself, it's like, I mean, yeah, right. I mean, it, that's, that's as commoditized a, a platform as there is, I guess, like Java or something, you know? Yeah. Um, except, except Java, the average rate is, is higher than a PHP coder. Yeah, I guess that's because it's more enterprises. It's more enterprise yeah. stuff. Um, and, and, and the code is, tends to be slightly more, you know, building slightly more complicated applications not just web apps php is you know 99 percent of the time just used for straight straight up web apps so right right yeah you know i mean i you know like i said i use php because um i know it it's it works it's easy you know it's deployed everywhere you know whatever um but i, I okay sorry so just um, just moving on um so plugio has picked up a little bit um cool. so i'm not feeling so stressed and depressed as i was last week you're at a micro depression <laughs> yeah so it's not um i mean it's it hasn't picked up to the same rate that it was but at least it's gone above the the one sign up a day so i'm now at 1.1 sign ups a day <laughs> <laughs> well, how many sign ups a day did you have uh like a month ago 1.5 1.5 okay but that that like i remember i was saying how those that 10 people made a real difference to the to the overall revenue right. but it kind of looks like it's gonna it's going to break the two and a half thousand. It was it last month. It was two thousand three hundred and fifty. I think it's going to get to two thousand five hundred and fifty this month. Right. So it's a slow this growth is, month, but I think it's I think it's summer. I think summer is part of. The yeah, I, th I think you're probably right about that. I mean, you know, again, I think it's hard to draw conclusions from so little data. Um, because you know, I think you need to look at your trailing thirty day as opposed to, you know, any shorter amount of time. Yeah, but um, I, yeah, I, I think summer. I I, w I wouldn't be surprised if summer is going to be slower than the rest of the year. But do you remember it moved from last year or the year before? I mean, well, like, the, the the rates. Yeah, yeah. Oh no, I don't. I don't have any. I can't go back last year and say, you know, I, I don't have that capability. Okay. So so remember uh, the outsourcing thing. Yes. Yes. So yeah. So so Helmut uh, Granada is um has has been working on that, and he basically the the thing that I was hoping for him to do is the auto tweet thing, right? Right. So he's built he's basically built that into the interface, and he sent me a little video showing you know demonstrating it working on his local machine, 
And he spent like two hours doing doing the code and he's just totally got it right. He's done it. It's just awesome. It's amazing. So in two hours, he's completely managed to do what I couldn't do in a month before. Right. So have you just given up on Abu? Pretty much, yeah. So what happens? I mean, did you tell did you officially break up with Abu? Did you send I a, haven't you send officially a, did you send a dear Abu letter? I not yet. No. I've 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 said <laughs> I've said um I'll 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 keep you posted. Right. I said I'm, take, I'm taking a break for the <laughs> Yeah. Taking a break for the moment, but I'll keep you posted. It's not. It's not you. It's me. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Well, he's kind of like these VCs. I was reading about these. Uh, this article about VCs. It's like VCs never say no. They just say not now. Right. Things. They're. They always want to keep their options open. Right. And yeah. Keep, turn things around. So you're just saying it's not. You know, just not now. Right. Yeah. And I'm, I mean that it is just not now there may be a time when because he was really good at that one thing which was the, the string replacement so if those those other kind of tasks come up you have some more string replacement you're you'll be in contact with them yeah, yeah. <laughs> okay now you're making me feel real bad <laughs> well, i mean i just uh, it's just there's a little bit of bs in there but the reality is that um you, you gotta you gotta spend money that has the most impact on your company. You can't waste money, and you waste a lot of money and a lot of experimenting with a lot of things. So, so Helmer has a great attitude. He he said, he said, I said, wow, that's awesome that you did it so fast. And he said, yeah, well, because I'm giving you this discounted rate by doing it faster, I get a discount on how much I have to lose. <laughs> right, right. <laughs> that's a good fair point. Um, so do you have do you have some more stuff that he's gonna work on? Yeah, well, so next thing he's going to do, so he's done the front end of it. So uh, the next thing is uh, for him to do the back end of it. So to basically do the reconciliation, keep track of how many friends and followers people have, and then post the new tweets when they when they get a new follower. What does he think of your code base? Has he made any comments on? He hasn't made any comments. So I guess I'll I guess I'll ask him. Um, maybe ask him to give a review, and then I'll uh, I'll send it to you. Speaking of. Um people being available i you know i've been trying to contact some designers for info oh yeah how's that going? i wanted to find um you know see what our options were and we had two recommendations on um on startup guild from um startup mm-hmm. guild members who had who knew some works with good designers and one guy uh who just sort of pinged me on startup guild and said hey you know i do design work um and it's kind of interesting so um one guy, Ali, um, looks really good, and he teaches classes at uh, Rochester Institute of Technology mm-hmm. and design. He also designed an event apart. So he's done some fair amount of work and good work, and he seems like he's easy to talk to. So we had like a 15-minute you know, talk, and I sort of was having a conversation about like how he works and how we, you know, what his rates are pricing would be and i don't know just kind of just kind of get a sense of how what it would be like to work with him and yeah. that seemed like a really good option he seemed like he he, he seemed like he's done some good stuff and has is talented and and it would be uh, uh you know some reasonable pricing for us um one guy is based out of spain and he his stuff also looks good but the problem the only problem is is that uh he 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 doesn't he says he he can write and read english well like we were on skype and i, I you would never know by reading in the skype conversation that he didn't speak English well, but I said, well, you know, let's have I like to have a phone conversation because I want to make sure our communication is is good. I'm going to get a sense of what it was, and he's just like, well, you know, I can't talk right now. But I, by the way, I'm not that great on the phone. So interesting. I don't know. I mean, you you worked with Abu, and I sounds like you were with a helmet, just purely 
via chat, right? Not talking. It was it was really purely via chat, and it was very frustrating. Yeah. See, I wonder how that will go. I mean, I kind of prefer I prefer to talk to people because I feel like you can convey so much more information about what it is you're trying to do and what you want. And I don't know. I mean, but maybe that's unnecessary. I don't know. Maybe you can convey all that information with just a few you know, screenshots of, of, of well, with, sites or elements that you're interested in and what you're trying to do. Maybe that's all they need. I don't know. With Helmet, it's been, it's just been through chat, through text and, uh, you know, he's done a great job. Yes. I guess it doesn't, maybe it doesn't matter. I, you know, and, and so the third guy said, you know, he, he's been a little harder to get a hold of. I guess he's been busy and he says he won't be available until, um, August. So, which would probably be too slow for any folks. Cause you and I are going to try and get this thing up lickety split. Right. So, what kind of look, what kind of design are you wanting? What kind of voice are you wanting? A voice? I don't know. I mean, I, yeah, you know, like like Virgin has a voice, right? So your your Virgin voice is kind of fun and professional, and the design is kind of fun and professional. Whereas something like um, Starbucks, the design and voice is more kind of local and quirky. I don't know. What's the difference between quirky and fun? Isn't that kind of the same thing? That- well, because quirky is kind of art, like artsy and, you know, you know, like Starbucks has a kind of, uh, it's kind of appealing to like artists and indie people, right? Right. A little bit more, you know, their whole branding concept um, versus something like Virgin, which is being a, a little bit closer to enterprise, but also fun. I don't know. I, I don't want it to. I, I, I think it should be. I mean, it should be kind of fun and light, but I don't want it to look too. It's not silly, right? This is people making money. I don't want it to look corporate and, and too too serious, but it, it can't. It's it's not a, it's not a, it's not about. It's, it shouldn't be silly, look silly. You know. It's type not in a, um. Type in Hipmunk into your browser. H I P M U N K. Yep, I know Hipmunk. So there. What what would you say their branding was? Branding. What would, uh, the, what would you say their voice and branding? It's was? silly. It's kind of silly. It's cute. Do you think that? Do you think that does them a disservice? Uh no, not necessarily. I mean, it might work for them. It might be okay. Um, I, I think it's. Yeah, I think it's. You can go. You can probably go with that. I mean, I like it's. That's light. It's. A, it's a good UI, generally speaking. Um. Well, I'm not necessarily suggesting that that kind of thing for any food, but. I'm just wondering what you think that is and you know what because it is it's basically silly isn't it right that little monk mm-hmm. <laughs> chipmunk mm-hmm. thing mm-hmm. um but then well, again you know that any food like for example if if our logo our outlined logo was the um uh like the silhouette of the guy doing kung fu right that, that kind of makes sense to me and that one it's just like this hip monk right actually the rest of it is pretty kind of professional it there's just one visual component on the page that is kind of crazy and silly yeah, so I, I think the I think having something some kind of a kung fu silhouette I mean, is is um is okay because it might get a little bit of a sense of you know what foo what we mean by foo yeah it might help convey that um, a little better but I don't want to go over the top with it you know it's like you can do some you can do um, I think really good logo designers can make things very abstract and subtle and still get it across. You know, I don't want this giant, you know, kung fu guy, and you know, it's like it's yeah. not a martial arts, you know, supply, you know, store, right? Right, right. Yeah. I mean, um, so you you really got to be careful that you don't overdo it, and that's why I don't want to be like the, you know, hire a ninja, and it's like, hey, you know, let's get a little back off. I mean, first of all, you start mixing metaphors. You know, ninjas are not 
you know, our Japanese kung fu is Chinese. You know, karate is. You know, why, why, it's are you like, saying, why are you saying why saying hire a ninja? What? Well, because you put that all over the mock-ups. You're like, hire a ninja expert. All this ninja stuff. I was like, whoa, 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 whoa. <laughs> Dude, that was, just, that was just placeholders. That wasn't, right. you know. Right, right. Finished, but but just to sort of to make a sense. I mean, maybe that's just, just you know, I'm just, just to make a point that I, I think I think the kung fu thing, I don't want to overdo it. Because if you get right. to, we're just using the fu as a way to come up with a brand and, and a name that makes some kind of, has some kind of uniqueness to it and makes some sense. But I, I don't want to get over because it's not about... It's not about martial arts at all. Obviously, mm-hmm. it's just yeah. it's just a it's just a play on words. But I, that's one of the things I think we need to do first. I think the first thing you want to get designed is the logo, and then based on the logo, you have kind of your brand voice kind of thing you're talking about, and mm-hmm. then you can go with the design of the site. So uh, one one thing I need to do is uh, is locate a logo designer. I want to get a specialist who who just does great logos, not just a generic web designer. Because that's interesting. Well, I think it's like with with your doctor. If you go to heart surgery, you, you want heart, you have heart problems. You go to a heart surgeon. You go to you know cardiothoracic surgeon. You don't go to your general internist, right? Um, yeah. And yeah, can they can general designers do logos? Yes, and they'll always say yes, right? They're not going to turn down work. But you want someone who says, "Here's my portfolio of of logos that are really good." <laughs> that's what I want to see. It's interesting. So, I mean, obviously, Patrick McKenzie just bought his logo off Ninety Nine Designs. Yeah, and it looks like that. I mean, Appointment right. Reminder does is not a really good looking site. I mean, you know, he, you know, Patrick makes a case that I mean, for the for the kind of site he has, design is not the biggest deal. You know, he 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 hired a, a um, you know, I, I talked to the designer he actually hired, and uh, you know, I think stuff she does is is okay, and I think she's you know does some decent stuff, but um. I think for something like Inifu, especially because it probably in the end won't be that expensive if we work with a freelancer and we really do a good job of, of, of conveying what we want and have everything mocked up and all he has to do is give us designs and have to do the front of work. It could be fairly efficient, economical yeah. for us. But I think the design for something uh, like Inifu is going to be important because it's going to require people to spend a little bit of investment of their time to create their profile. And if they don't trust that this thing's serious and real, they're just not going to waste their time on it. Okay, that's what I think. I, so I think yeah, no, I'm I'm inclined to agree. I think design is important, and I think the brand's important. I think, and to get to make the logo look good, and not come out looking like an like a martial arts supply store. <laughs> that you know, well, some, but the thing is, flip- it's interesting. I mean, the the point that Patrick makes is, you know, you can buy a logo off the ninety nine designs that makes it seem professional, but it's not particularly brilliant design, right? But at least it's not embarrassing. You yeah. know, we, we could potentially do that with any food. I mean, we could basically, for $100, get something that wasn't embarrassing. Yeah, see, I don't, I think we've spent enough time in this. I mean, I'm not saying we go out and, and spend 20000 on a logo, but I think, you know, you and I are splitting the cost. We're, spe- we're already spending money because every hour, hour I spend on this is an hour I'm not consulting. So I'm already spending money doing stuff. You know, yeah. why are we going to chintz on the brand when we could get a decent designer to, you know, to spend a little time and create us a nice logo that, that people look at and go, okay, this is a real company. This yeah. isn't some joke. I mean, this looks like some elegant company that came out of Ycom and that just got funded. But everyone, I mean, not everyone, but most people on the site are going to be people who've heard us through the show or know us through Startup Guild. Initially, so we don't initially. really have to impress that. Initially, but initially, you know, I don't know, maybe, maybe, maybe not. I mean, yeah, we'll get a little more, um, we'll have a little more margin of error because people will have more of a connection to us. But 
you know, the people who are going to come in as buyers and come the other side, it's going to, it's going to quickly go beyond that. And they're going to, you know, they're going to have a reaction the first five seconds they look at the site, whether they're going to spend time thinking about it. We spend any time really, you know, on the site worrying about it. And I think, you know, like, uh, you want to make the experience, the brand, everything to, to catch them. Like, okay, yeah, this is, this is cool. I'm going to, I'm going to like this. I would be fighting with you on this, except for one thing. At the end of the day, a major part of our businesses, we're talking about being the Tiffany's of um, yeah. recruitment, right? If it wasn't for that, I would probably be fighting a lot stronger about this. But given that we need to, you know, you you can't claim to be the Tiffany's of something and then look like uh, Walmart, Yeah, we're the right? Tiffany's. We spent $50 on this clip our logo. <laughs> yeah. Like, okay, so that's, uh, yes. So given that that's a big deal and that our minimum price point is $100, I, th- I sort of think, okay, this time I'll go with what Jason says. <laughs> I mean, you know, look, I don't have, you know, $100,000 that I can just invest in, you know, throwing it away at things. But so I'm not saying that we just start throwing cash at stuff. But, you know, it a logo is just, once it's done, it's done, right? We come up with a nice yeah. logo, we come up with a brand that we like, and we got it. And then the design flows from that, and we spend a little bit of money on the design, and we at least got a good start on something. And I think we can probably get a decent logo for, you know, I don't even know how much it was going to cost us a thousand or two thousand dollars. You know, I'm not saying spend five grand, but mm-hmm. maybe we spend somewhere between one and two K on a nice logo, um, tops, and which is a lot more than, you know. Don't let, don't let the logo designer listen to this show. Logo, I don't, because they may do it for 500 yeah well maybe maybe we can get it for 500 you know you yeah. know maybe we can get it for 800 i mean maybe you get a good designer charges 100 dollars an hour and they spend you know five or eight hours and i got you know a couple versions that look pretty nice that we like um well it's but, funny because a good a good logo designer will come back with you know 50 versions no, so 50 that's that's kind it's, of it's, usually come with three comps when you get design work you usually get three comps Interesting. That's not every, that, designer, that's not every been, designer I've ever worked with. It's usually they come up with three comps. I guess you must have been working with the cheap guys. Wait till you work with an expensive one. Are you talking about like you a lot, worked with? You a, get a lot back then. Are you talking about when you work with a giant corporation? Uh, no, I'm just thinking back to some experiences that I've had working with uh, you know expensive designers. Yeah, you get you get a lot. It, They'll give it, you versions. Yeah, because what the, because what the, the reason why they give you that many is because um, they'll they'll choose three three overarching themes. Maybe three to oh, five overarching themes, and then they themes. change a bunch of like colors and stuff. Okay, yeah, and then for each theme, they'll give you different different colors, slightly different fonts, slightly different you know gradients and things like that. Yeah, I don't so I don't mean really that. I, I mean like three essential you know designs okay. that are variations. You know, but usually usually it's a few different comps, I think. And uh, right, but you know, I you know the other thing I was wondering about is okay for the uh, so you know maybe we get one designer come with a logo, but I was like wondering like. You know, what if we had three designers who actually paid them to have one their their best go at a design, right? Rather than three comps. Because usually usually what happens is these designers come up with a design, but usually they have one and it's like the other two are kinda of aren't so good. It's clearly they like yeah. one. <laughs> it's like yeah. and they all kind of are influenced. They're very similar in a lot of ways. And it's just one is better than the other two. It's like I wonder if you get like three designers. And you say, all right, we'll pay you $500 or whatever just for five hours or eight hours, you know, five, you know, somewhere in that range. You know, it usually takes them something to come, up with, to come up with like one comp, one design. Um, and what if you did three, from three individual designers who you all, who thought, and you thought all the work was good. It's not like 99 designs where you're only going to pay them if they're chosen. Like, I'll pay you. I want your best shot at this. And have- I bet you'll just get back three really good logos. And you'll be well, like confused as hell trying to decide which one to go with. Now, nah, I bet you come up with three when you end up liking one 
I never like. I usually come up with one that usually sticks out at me. I'm not talking about the logo. I'm talking about the design for the site. Once you have the logo, like you say, usually when you have design, you like design. So three three people to design logos or three people to design the site. I'm thinking maybe the site. So maybe like not. Oh, okay. Okay. Just one page. Like we say, what's the center page? Like what's the page that that has the most visual elements on there related to the workflow? So like we have like the search results page or something design that with the sidebar and everything and here's our look well i i'd want the, the i'd want the search results and the home I, I guess yeah so you're saying design that and then we choose between between it the would, three of them for it that. would you yeah, go okay. that because the 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 um the front the home page you know uses a lot of, of of marketing stuff which is a lot more in flux and and that's going to change a lot it's like more there's more visual elements usually in the center of the app than on the home page is the home page is like sign up join you know it's like we want yeah but the home page usually is the center like it's the center gravity of a design and then everything kind of hangs off the way that that is put together it depends i mean the home page if it not if the home page is just like you know in bold this is what we do so we are you know here's our you know and click it but if you actually go and you have the workflow mm-hmm. of the center of the app I mean, it doesn't look anything like the home page the home page is usually completely different yeah, I think it could be a good experiment, but uh, I don't know. So I'm I'm sort of investigating. I've talked to three guys so far, and I want to get a sense if their pricing is 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 not too expensive. Then it might be worth doing something like that because I I want to just get something that we're really happy with. I don't want to get something where I'm just like, ah, this kind of sucks, but I have to go with it mm-hmm. anyway because we already spent money on it. I hate mm-hmm. that feeling. It really pisses me off when I spend money and it's like I still hate it. You know. All right. I'd rather, um, but at the same time, I don't want to. I don't want to sink too much money into this until we prove something. But you know, it's just an idea. I'm gonna, I'm gonna do a little more research, try and talk to some more designers, find find three quality designers that are available that I can communicate well with, and uh, see what our options are. But, All right. Uh, um, so listen, um, I think I'd like to call it a show if that's all right with you. Unless you've got any things that you want to bring up quickly. No, that's fine. How long is the show been? Uh, we've been over an hour at this stage. Um, I know that it's not the usual hour and a half shows, but I think for the next few weeks, I might need to keep it down to an hour if that's okay. That's okay. Uh, you know, oh, 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 can I have like one, two uh, small things? I can just get them off. Yeah, go. go. And just, one is, uh, was, called, was in the um, Harvard Business Review. Um, it was called How to Become a Great Finisher. And, oh, yeah. you know, because I think, I think, I know that you and I fall in this category, and I think probably <laughs> most people do. It's that, you know, you're much better at starting things than finishing things. <laughs> yeah. Because the starting things is the fun part. It's the finishing stuff that's the hard part. It takes a discipline. And, you know, it doesn't matter if you start 10 things if you don't finish any of them, right? You got to ship it. And, um, you know, obviously, Appignite is, you know, you know, I'm, I, I'm starting it. I'm still sticking with it, but I just haven't t- totally finished it up, right? And that's, right. that's a problem. Um, you know, we got to get, you know, if we're going to do any food, we got to ship it. You know, um, you shipped Plugia, which is good. You shipped um, Swarm, which those are, those are really good, good things. So, and startup, startup Guild. And Startup Guild. Well, you shipped it, but you've been kind of vacant. You've been MIA, yeah, which I think is bad because I'm seeing, the, I'm seeing the messages, daily messages drop off. So, so what does the article that? say? You notice that? Yeah, yeah. So are you going to do anything about it? No. I've got, I've got other things to focus on. What, what, so what does the thing say? Well, I, let's, let's take a little side. So what's the plan with Startup Guild? If it, if, is it, if it dies on its own, are you okay with well, that? Well, the, the, the thing about Startup Guild, all, all I wanted to do was to capture the momentum of the blog post, and um, I've pretty much done that. That, that. that was the whole ambition of it. So, so what's the of, point of doing it if you're just going to let it die? I mean, what's the point? The point was to, to basically create a place uh, for, the, for the people who are feeling that way 
to gather and have a place to 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 meet and talk and they have been doing that and it's been working pretty well um that's i mean that's kind of it so you did you you wanted to, you you your was the idea was that i'm just gonna put some seeds and add water and walk away and just hope it stays alive not continual gardening was that was your thought thinking um well the thing is it was basically based around a blog post right so startup guild was just to set up I just wanted it to exist. That was the main thing. I wanted there to be a place like that that existed so that right. it was there for people if they ever Googled for something like that and it was there and it did exist. Well, I understand and that. it does. It <laughs> so does, I, but I mean, so that's it, does, it exists. But I mean, if, do you care, if you care that it existed then, do you care that it exists in six months from now? Yeah, I care that it exists and I like being able to go in there and... Um, you know, read, read what people have said. I mean, I usually spend like, I don't know, five to 10 minutes in a, a day in there just quickly checking up and I comment on stuff that I find interesting. I think that it's turning more into something like uh, IRC, right? Where people go in, there, there may not be, you know, a hundred people in there at any one time, but people do go in and check in and if they find, see interesting stuff, they comment on it and post on it. Because it seems like Which the message has gone, gone down from like say a hundred a day to like 25 a day. Right. Is that about right? Am I right with those numbers? I, six, oh, I don't know. I, I haven't looked. Month or six weeks ago, it was like 100. So anyway, I'm just wondering if something should be done to, to like, you know, something should be done, and I mean something you should do <laughs> since you started it, to like yeah. get people re-engaged so that you don't lose. I mean, it's it's so much value there, but, you know, you kind of got to like it. Because there was ideas for hackathons, and there were ideas for meetups, and ideas for people building apps, but it doesn't look like any there's been any action taken on any of that stuff. Well, I, I mean... The thing about it is, is I need to make decisions in my life. Like, what am I going to work on? Right. So uh, as I said, like, I knew that this was never going to become my full-time job. I've got other things to do. I'm working 12 hours a day in a contract. I'm working on Plugio. I'm working on AnyFoo. I'm doing the podcast. So at the end of the day, something's got to give. And I just don't have the time and effort to put into this. I mean, that's, right, right. Well, see, that's just a good example of like, you know, I guess the question is, should you start something if you're not going to finish it? You know, like, what's the point? If it's well, the point, anyway. the, the point of starting it was so that it existed, so that there was a place like that. But if it's going to die anyway, but you're, you're assuming that it's going to go on forever. But the point, if I say it's going to, if you don't continue working on it, you know, can, put continual effort on in it week in and week out for the next few years, it's eventually just going to die. Um, and I'm quite, well, that's, if, you know, if you know that, a, you know, a priori, what's the point of doing it? Right. Or do you, you believe? Okay, let me let me ask you a question. Do you believe that since Startup Guild has existed, that it's created good connections and networking between some people in there, and sure. that, it's, that basically some people have met and it's it's brought some value to them during the last six months, right? Okay, so that's the reason. That's that's the purpose. So basically, it's already proven itself. It's already given some value to a lot of people. So therefore, it was worth doing, and that was the only reason why I wanted to do it. Yeah. Uh, anyway, so I, maybe, I, maybe there's no more ongoing value, but there's been value extracted from it for example there's like a regular startup guild meetup you know um in singapore right just that one thing is valuable that goes on and on and on um so you know i don't feel too bad to be perfectly honest so if it dies and at the end of the summer you'll be fine with that if it if it dies it, it's give it's given value to people i mean i don't want it to die because i i keep on checking in right but if it if it dies which i don't think it will by the way but if it does, it's still given value to people and to me and to the community. So I don't think it would have been a, a waste of time, no. Okay. All right. Well, um, so anyway, the whole thing about, you know, how to be a great finisher was a way of thinking. So the, 
the thing is that if you think what I've done so far, if you if your if your idea is what they call two date thinking, if you're, if yeah. you're focused on well, this is what I've accomplished so far, that works against um, finishing, right? You're like, mm. oh, you know, you're rather if you say, well, I'm forty. Let's say you've done forty-eight percent of the work. If you say, "Well, I've done forty percent of the work," just by saying that, it's psychologically counterproductive towards finishing. If you say, so I have fifty percent left," you're focusing. So it's what they call to-go thinking. So the the focusing on how much you have to go is what really helps pull you forward or propel you forward. Is so glass is half empty. Yeah, you just got to think, I am not, we're not there yet, you know, which is kind of interesting. It's like whenever I talk to Isaac and Arno from Central Desktop, you know, they're all, they're always to go thinking. It's always like, I'm like, wow, you guys are, they, they, they completely dismiss anything that's been accomplished this far. They don't care. They're like, it's not enough. It's not good enough. Hmm. They're just like, we, we're not there. We still haven't done this. We still haven't done that. They just, they don't take any time just to think, oh, yeah, man, we've done a good job. It's good. They don't, it's just almost as irritating because you want them to admit, look, you guys got like 40 people working for you. Like, like come on, you know, it's just, you guys are doing well. They're like, ah, you know, they just, they won't admit it. They just, uh, they just completely on the other side to go thinking. They're not satisfied. And I, that might be an argument for, you know, that's probably a good reason for why they've been successful because they do not sit back, rest on their laurels, laurels and think, well, I've done this. That's pretty good. Well, what about Avignite? I mean, it's not like you don't have to go thinking about that. Yeah, uh, well, my Epic Night, you know, it's it's not that I'm not continuing to work on it and to go thinking. It's just that I picked a just a ginormous problem, and I don't have, right. you know, I, and I have, you know, a limited amount of time, like about a week to week. So that that was the only that was the the uh, problem there. It wasn't that I I don't ever stop working on it. <laughs> you know, I'm always working on it. Um, it's just uh, I just tackled a just a you know a problem that was probably bigger than I should have. You know, or even with Guyon and I working on it together, it's just it's just a yeah. huge problem. So, but um, yeah, and the one last thing I'll add in is, um, and then uh, we'll call it a show. Is it, I read this article which recently said that like when you add women into a group, that makes the group intelligence smarter. So like if you had two groups and one group's had like a bunch of guys who had really high IQs and the other group had yeah. guys which had lower IQs but had a, you know one or more women in it the the one that had women it would outperform in terms of problem solving decision making does it matter about the IQ of the woman i don't think so i mean i mean obviously she has to be probably not you know probably functional adult <laughs> but <laughs> <laughs> where, where did you get this study from um let's see here where was it that sounds bogus if it was called, uh, it was a uh, Harvard Business Review. You got a you got a problem with Harvard scientists there? No, I don't. So, so, so basically, so you Defender so you research, got what makes a team smart? Ten more women, really high IQ guys, and one group with eight average IQ guys and two women. Yeah, and I don't know. I don't know if uh, I don't know if it's like you had ten Nobel laureates and 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 ten guys from the local bar. <laughs> to women. <laughs> right. I don't know if it would overcome that necessarily, but um, there was substantial improvement of the group's performance in problem solving, visual puzzles, brainstorming, decision making, um, all that kind of stuff. Completely task if they had a if they had a woman. And I guess the, their hypothesis is that, you know, women are better with uh, social cues and getting in, in communication and facilitating things like that. That's interesting. So you get a lot of smart nerds in a room and nobody's you know, they're all arguing and they're all like kind of doing so their own thing. So women create the team. 
Yeah, they really they facilitate the team. They you know, because you look at society. I mean, I think you know, if it wasn't for women, our society would be crap. <laughs> it <would> be disaster. <laughs> you know, that's a, oh, that's the title the title of the show. If it wasn't for women, our society would be crap. I don't know. It's just this. Yeah. Like you know, even if you know, even if uh, you know, you had like societies where I mean, I don't know if you say what society. Obviously, you have to have women to have a society for pure biological reasons. But you know, we're, you don't have to have men. But I think where you have women's roles are much more severely limited. I think the societies function less well. I mean, you know, right. they just, they create the protocols. They create the social interactions. They kind of, they make everything work together for some reason. They just have the, I don't know. I, I know if it's, if it wasn't for uh, Sandy, uh, you know, we would be <laughs> less connected with the rest of the family, with our families and friends and stuff. And, you know. I think as guys, we tend to just get kind of totally absorbed into like our, our ta- the task at hand, our little, you know, careers or things. And uh, I think with teams, it probably works that, you know, women just help everyone get along better, communicate better, you know, share, collaborate, whatever. And uh, Well, I could definitely believe that. Yeah. So that, that's just kind well, of interesting because I always get this, I, I, I guess I'm, I'm sort of a little anti-politically um, correct or like, oh, we have to have diversity. I'm like... I, you know, it's, I mean, if people are better at their job, then yeah, bring them in. But I don't like, I, I kind of sometimes I have a hesitancy about bringing people in just because they're different. Yeah. Yeah. Always yeah. like, you know, it's like, you know, my soccer team was like the United Nations, right? I'll have, I, you know, we had every race and every, you know, ethnicity. I mean, we had guys from Brazil and Germany and Africa and in Europe and uh, Mexico and US and right. And so you look at our team and it looked like a professional team because all these guys not only were great athletes, but they all looked a lot different. And um, I, I could care less where you were from. If you made the team better, I wanted you on the team, right? As long as you weren't a pain in the ass. <laughs> and, okay. Um, and, and, but the thing is that it, what's kind of interesting is, is it turns out that bringing people in who, who are diverse actually, actually ends up helping the thinking. Because it, I think they were talking about that article too. It's like if you have a bunch of people who all think, if they think too differently, then sometimes that's a problem. You know they're too far apart, but if they're if there's if it's too homogenous, you end up not solving problems well. Well, you even did have a woman on your team, and I know that's a, that's a long story. Maybe we'll leave that for another show. It's, it's, yeah. That's a fun story. It's but a, uh, maybe maybe next episode we'll talk about how you how you had a woman on your team. Yeah, they're probably the only. I'll say this: probably the only men's semi-pro team in the country to ever have a woman on the team. She was a. Uh, well, I'm saying she was on the women's national team, so she was quite a player. But that's a that's a yeah. story for next week. Um, awesome. But yeah. So that's kind of interesting. So uh, yeah, it's 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 as it turns out, having uh, diversity, both probably not only in terms of the pe- way people think, but also having you know women as well as men makes teams better. So some of these startups you look at have a lot of women on the roster. You look at like, yeah. who we are. They probably have a better shot of succeeding because you know they're helping the team work better. They're helping understand their you know a more a larger potential client base, all that kind of stuff, customer base. Interesting. So, all right. I think that's a show, right? I think we're out. Yep, that's a wrap. All right, that's a wrap. We're out.